Okay, so when we were, we were actually at the coast together, our family, and um, one of the nights, I think it was Wednesday night, I had a dream. And I am going to share with you the best I can to give you kind of what God's been unfolding since Wednesday. Now, you have to understand, I haven't said this out loud to anybody, okay? So it's just kind of coming out, maybe half digested, okay? But if you will look in, if you will lean in and you will look into this, I think you'll find something for yourself. And God told me that it was a prophetic message. And then yesterday when Pastor Ben asked um, if I would give the message, I, I knew, yeah, let's, let's try this out. Let's see how this goes. Um, and it's not like this is an unprepared message. I believe that God actually downloaded it to me in my sleep for this moment in time. Okay, so let's do this together. Let's pray. Father God, I just love you. We love you so much. We're here, God, because we want to leave different. We want to leave with something in us that and deposited within us that we didn't have before. We want to leave with your insight, your vision, and your lens. We want to be aligned with you, God. We don't want to be aligned with the devil. <laughs> we want to be aligned with your vision and your hope and your future for us, God. And we want to see what you see. We want to feel what you feel. We want to understand what you want us to understand. So God, we intentionally and willingly align ourselves with you today, God. We love you for it. We believe you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this out the way it was given to me, and hopefully, do we have some cameras that we can put on this? Yeah, that'll go up there. I was kind of concerned about you guys back here. Is this going to work? Okay, we'll see. Okay, so the first thing I saw was this. I saw the word position, and hopefully you are taking notes, or you can take notes in your phone. And then I saw this, purpose. Okay, this is what I saw in my dream. Position connected to purpose. And what I heard in the dream was, it's from your position that I put you in your purpose. It's from your position that I put you into purpose. So if this message had a title, which I don't do very often, it would be, you are positioned for purpose. It is from your position that I give you your purpose. Okay, interesting. The next thing I saw in the dream was Esther. And he was showing me an example now. Here's a woman who was chosen as queen. They say she was only 14 years old. Now, this girl left the only family she knew, which was her cousin Mordecai. She was actually an orphan. Okay, as an orphan, she was drawn into a whole year of preparation, and then she was given the position as queen. Now, I'm still in the dream right now. There's, I'm going to get out of the dream in a minute and give you some stuff that God's tagged on. But this was like the foundation of the dream. Is He was saying to me, Jenny, Esther came into position as queen, and she thought the end. Whew! Made it. So I've, I had that sense in the dream that Esther thought that was it. She made it. 
When in reality, it was from that position that she would discover what? Her purpose. Now, if you've read the book of Esther, you need to read the book of Esther because I believe Esther is E-S-T-H-E-R. Her is the church. God is establishing her, the church. Through the story, God is taking the church and he's showing us where we are. I believe that God right now is perfectly positioned the church for a greater purpose. But we're in position kind of like, all right, here we are, Ephesians 2.6. Who can tell me what Ephesians 2.6 says? We are seated in heavenly places with Christ. Where is Christ? At the right hand of the Father. So I'm going to tell you right now, you and I are in a position, Ephesians 2.6 says that right now, not later, not when you die, right now, your spiritual position, we are body, soul, and spirit, but our spirit is positioned right now with Christ next to the Father. And if you read the chapter one of Ephesians, you see that God himself and Christ are seated far above every ruler, leader, and that just kind of says everything. So you are positioned, you and I are positioned above everything. That's exciting. I'm sure Esther was pumped that she was picked as the queen. Whew! And there she was, seated like you and I in a royal position. See, God in this dream, he was paralleling the church, you and I, with where Esther was. Now, if you read the book of Esther, what do we find out? that she didn't know her purpose. How do we know that? How do we know that she didn't know her purpose? Somebody talk to me. How she responded to Mordecai. Yeah, same. Craig said the same. So how Esther responded to Mordecai. Mordecai comes along and says, hey, There's a plot against the Jews. There's a decree, meaning a law, that all the Jews are going to be wiped out. And he says, Esther, you're in a position to talk to the king. And she says, no. I wonder how many of us are in a position where we don't understand the authority and the favor we have to open a door to rescue a nation. I wonder if how many of us think our position is the end, not the beginning. I'm letting this this sink in, okay? I've had since Wednesday, so I'm gonna give you a a little time to let it sink in. And then he showed me this. He said, if you back this thing up, Esther started in pain. Then she went through a process called preparation. Now, this is when I was an alpha. I started waking up. Okay, I started waking up, but I'm like, okay, don't wake up, Jenny, because this is good. We're getting this, we're getting this down. Apparently, I do my best thinking when I'm not thinking, okay? <laughs> That's okay. I'm okay with it. Pain. She goes into preparation. 
She comes into position. And this is what the Lord showed me. Right here is where most Christians are stuck. Right there. Maybe you don't know you're stuck. But it's the spot where God says, we've got to move along. We've got to move along into what? Which brings us to the promise, which brings us power. See, God wants to put the people of God in power on the earth. It's not just, whoo, I got saved, man. Headed to hell, now I'm headed to heaven, the end. No, not the end. Too many of us, and I'm gonna, I, I, I've been here before, where we all of a sudden get to position where we give our life to Christ, we're Ephesians 2, 6, and then it's like, whoo, now start living for myself. Start living for how I can make life look good for me. See, that right there becomes the spot where we have to go through the cross right here to get onto purpose. I want to talk to you about what happened with, es- with Esther because it's, it's really profound. By the way, I'm hearing all P words lately. <laughs> profound. Plot. Process. It's all, it's everywhere. Okay. So she gets in royal position. She tells Esther, or she tells Mordecai, I can't go to the king. It's illegal. And I'll get killed. What is she doing? Self-preserving. She's preserving herself, another P. She's preserving her own life. She is like, sucks for them. I'm not going to die. I'm going to preserve in the palace. I'm going to preserve my own life in the palace. Too bad for them. Okay, some of us have that mentality right now. Man, that's too bad what's happening to that family. Man, that's too bad that that school, thank God my kids aren't in that school and they're in my palace, my homeschool palace. I know I'm going to get under your skin a little bit, but you know what? I'm just sharing the love because this is what God does to me. He gets under my skin and I ask him to because I don't want to go to the end of this life and have missed it. I want to have done all that God has called me to do, which is very challenging. This message is challenging to me too. So she tells Mordecai no. Mordecai, thank God, doesn't take no for an answer. You know why? Because Mordecai was in his purpose. His purpose was to actually put Esther into her purpose. And what happens is he says to her, he lays it straight. Esther, you are not going to make it either. You're already dead. He says, you're a Jew. All the Jews are going to be killed. You're going to be killed too. He had to give her a wake-up call. You're not going to make it past this thing either. The decree includes you. The death decree includes you. I always thought Esther was like noble, like, you know, if I die, die. No, now I realize, I mean, she is a hero and she is noble. But really what she did, I think, is she looked at her options and she went, oh, okay, so I'll die if I don't go to the king because of the decree. But if I go to the king, I might die. But I have a little smidgen of a chance I won't die. But if I do die with the king, I'm already dead here. So if I die, I die. I think she looked at the situation and made her best choice. I believe that in America right now, and you guys know, most of you know that I've been um, sent on this mission right now at this time in my life, 
to wake up the body of Christ to a nation that is in complete duress. I think we have one year. This is my, I'm not prophesying. It is my personal opinion. I think we have one year. I think the church has one year to step into its greatest hour to get across this thing and say, hold them on it. Hold on a minute. It is actually our purpose as the church. I'm not talking about the collective church. I'm talking about the the church at large. It is us. It is the believers who are to come and apprehend the promise of God over the United States of America, over our schools, over our families, over our grandchildren. Every one of them are getting saved. Every one of them are coming into the glory of God. And for you to take your position in your family, in your community, and take the promise. And then what does that do? It puts people, God's people in power. That's what happened with Esther. Once she got it and she went before the king, he said, I'll give you up to half the land. What do you want? Like he just poured it out for her, right? And she then told him he couldn't reverse the decree, but he gave the people the opportunity to fight. We're going to have the same opportunity. He gave the, oppor- he gave the people the opportunity. He to- the king said to the Jews, fight, fight back. And you know what happened? They slaughtered so many people that everybody, I said, you should, you should read this if you haven't read it. It says that, that they slaughtered so many people that everybody feared the Jews and decided to join them, meaning they decided to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're like, you guys are like, you got, you guys are like it. So we're coming with you guys. Because they came into such authority and such power that there was what? Potentially what we're going to see. I believe we're going to see it, but I believe, I believe it's sooner than we think. A billion soul harvest. I believe that God wants the church to come over the top of this edge right here, get into its finest hour, get into the season of power so that what? A whole lot of people say, I want to hang with you guys. I want to hang with you. I want to hang with the people that have authority and power on the earth. But if we're right here going, oh, yeah, wow. Oh, wow, there's another pandemic. Oh, shoot, that's too bad. Oh, that's happening now in the schools. Yeah, things are just getting bad. See, if we sit on this side and don't understand that we are the solution. The church is the solution. The solution to your grandkids coming to Christ is you. The solution to your children knowing who they are in Christ when they've lost their mind for a minute is you. You are in position, mama, to steer that ship back to target. God has given you a natural position as a grandmother, a grandfather, a dad, a mom, a sister, an auntie, a mentor, a pastor. God has given you a natural position, but more importantly, he has given you a spiritual position to reign and rule. Okay, We learned this um, last Monday. We talked about this, and I'm going to say it again. Your life will move in the um, direction of your most dominant thoughts, not the direction of your best thoughts. Okay, so you just can't read a quote on Instagram, be totally inspired, and be like, that's such a good thought. Until it becomes your dominant thinking, it didn't do anything for you, except it gave you three seconds of joy. So what we can do is we can decide to think like heaven, which means we have to read our Bible to know what heaven is saying, to know what God is saying. And when we align our thoughts with heaven, all of a sudden, over and over and over and over and over again, we discipline ourselves. All of a sudden, we are in a place where we are over here. We're over, we're over here. We're in our promise. We're in our personal promise because God, God doesn't leave out your personal promise in this. 
Like the promise over America is the promise for your family. It's the promise for your lineage. It's the promise for your legacy. So these are the, these are the things that kind of are flying through the airways. Okay. The devil says survive. Now what I want to do is I just want to do like a quick check. Are you thinking survive? Are you thinking, okay, just survive your pain? You know, that preparation Joseph went through. He went through a preparation here. The pain, his brothers threw him in the pit, sold him as a slave. He was completely, uh, what? He was, he was, yes, what's the word? He was accused, unrightfully accused of messing with uh, Potiphar's wife, right? All the stuff that happened here. This was a year for Esther, but it was a lot longer for Joseph. I don't know how long you went through, but you probably, we probably didn't even know we were going through it when we were going through it. We were going through this preparation, right? To get in position. But my point is, is the enemy wants you to think survive. Esther, you made it to the castle. Take a load off. You've survived. You've been through a lot. But God says, abide. John 15, meaning where he goes, we go. What he thinks, we think. When he moves, we move. When he stops, we stop. We're abiding. We're we're one with God, and we're going where he's going. We're not thinking about survive. Where the devil says, hold on to your pain, God says, apprehend the promise. Numbers 13, apprehend the promise. See, the devil wants us to manage our pain of our past. You know, uh, that your your dad said that you were this, and so we're just going to try to like competitively be better than what your dad said you are, okay? And that's going to become the context of my life. Instead of God, what do you what do you have for me to appre- to apprehend, to get a hold of over here? The devil says, "Save yourself." God says, "I already saved you." The devil says, "Hold on to everything you have." God says. Surrender everything. Galatians 2.20. See, what, I'm, what we're trying to figure out here is, are we, are we thinking on, on the side that God thinks? Or are we thinking, are we agreeing with the enemy? The devil says, you can't do it. God says, I can do it through you. Philippians 4.13. The devil says, you don't have the money or the time. God says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills, Psalm 50. He owns time and money and everything. He owns everything. He owns everything. Your, your schedule is not a problem for him. I can promise you that. Your bank account's not a problem for him. <laughs> He's not looking at your bank account or your time to see if you can go into your purpose. I can promise you that. So I felt that the Lord wanted me today to point out a threshold right here. There's a threshold. Do you know the word threshold is the same word as Python? And the spirit of Python comes to squeeze suffocate so that you can't get through. See, what did Jesus come to do? He took his position. He was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But what did he come to do? He came to lay his life down on a cross to pay for every single sin, to destroy the works of the devil and to give life, life more abundantly. But he had to go through something that was not pleasant. Another P. I told you, this keep showing up. Perfect, Pastor Ben says. Okay. Purpose Driven Life. Did anybody read that book in here? Okay. So I looked it up. That book 
sold 30 million copies in the first decade. And the first sentence of the book is, it's not about you. Threshold. And I think that's why some of us are stuck right there. Because we're thinking, save yourself, preserve your pain, protect yourself from people, make sure that you just make enough just for your family, because what if you go through a fan, like the what if, the fear, the fear, this is all fear, and then over here is if I die, die. See, Esther had to cross the threshold of, I don't want to die, to, well, I was already dead over there anyway, so I might as well walk over here and see what happens. It is, a, it is in our flesh to preserve ourselves. 100%. Would you agree? So one of the things that I saw, this is interesting, was a golf ball on a tee. And I don't golf, but, you know, Bob, this is for you. Okay? Um, I saw a golf ball on a tee, and the Lord was like, that is a picture of position. And God has placed you ready to launch. But that's not the end, that's the beginning. So God has perfectly positioned you to have great authority on the earth. This, when we cross this threshold, we actually have to leave our life. That's the part that's hard. It is not just a sinner's prayer and you're going to heaven. I'm sorry. I would never bank on that. It is, my life is not my own. I am leaving my life. I'm laying my life down. I am not going to be my own God. I own nothing. Every bit of what I have is his. Every dream I have is now his. And now I'm going to walk into a life that Christ has for me. And it's actually admitting that you're not very good at all that other stuff anyway. If you really look at it, <laughs> it's like you, you probably have better odds crossing over the threshold. But how many people have prayed the sinner's prayer and just kept moving the way they were before, wondering why life keeps kicking them in the face? Okay, I'm going to give you this next dream, the dream I had after this dream. There's an attack dog, okay? And it's like a pit bull. I don't even know what it is, but it kills people, okay? And its owner has it sitting right next to him. And I'm facing the dog. I'm on my knees. And the owner has held the dog to not attack me. But he basically says, say your prayers. And then I'm releasing this dog. So he gave me the time to pray. And I said, Lord, what do I pray? And he says this, give me everything. Surrender everything everything. And I remember thinking, man, I'm pretty surrendered. <sighs> everything, everything, everything. My attitude, my emotions. I don't have a right to be in a bad mood just because it's working for that moment. Like, no, I've just, I remember thinking, drain it all, Jenny. Je your life depends right now on you surrendering. And I knew that, that when that dog was released, that if I had surrendered everything, I would live. And after like 30 seconds, the owner said, go. And this dog came over me and I had an invisible bubble over the top of me and I could hear it just attacking me, but it wasn't touching me at all. And surrender 
was what protected me. Complete surrender. So for the last couple days, you know, when one of my kids, I love having all my kids home, by the way, one of them was saying something um, sarcastic. And so I was spicy back. And I just heard the Lord say, is that totally surrendered? And I was like, oh. So I just want you to know that I am walking this out with fear and trembling. I don't have this figured out. But what I do know is this, is that the enemy is on the loose to attack bodies, minds, everything. I have not heard so much physical ailment in the last five days as I have right now. And I'm just thinking, Lord, if we come into full surrender, he's like, that's your protection. Your protection is full surrender, attitude, money, time, purpose, dreams, relationships, everything. I know it's challenging. You guys all look like you, you came to a funeral right now. Like you're like, oh God, oh Jenny, you know. Okay, but here's the thing. What God promises on the other side is victory. It's victory. See, the enemy wants us to, to work in a little bit of flesh a little bit of flesh, just a little bit. It's not much. I mean, you're mostly surrendered, right? Like a little bit of flesh, just so, th- just so that the dog can attack that area. Bob always says, I'd be so scared to go to sleep every night if I were you. It's not as scary as it sounds because there's grace in the dream. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I want to point out too that some of you are called to like, Like Mordecai. Mordecai was here. He was standing at the gate during her preparation. He was making sure she knew why she was in position. Like, hey, could it be that you're queen because of this, right? Then what happens at the end? Mordecai comes to second in power in the nation. At the end of the book of Esther, Mordecai is basically president of the whole thing. So Esther got promise. Esther got purpose. Esther got power, but so did Mordecai. Okay. So it's a, it's a package deal. Another P. I'll stop saying that. I'm sorry. It's so hard not to point it out. Okay. Um, exactly. Purpose pointed out pain. It's all good. Okay. So what I want to show you, and then I'm going to be done for the day is I want to show you just prophetically what I was seeing. I know you heard that, didn't you? Okay. This is a prophetic word for you. And for me. There's 12 guys out of a million that were chosen to go spy out the promised land. So they're over here. They're chosen in the 12, okay? They're, 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 they're the 12 guys of a million people. They pick the top 12 guys, okay? This is, this is, you have to know this. They pick these 12 guys and they say, okay, go over here and scout out the promised land. For 40 days, 40 nights, they went over to look at the promised land. Now, I don't know if you guys can put up this scripture right now. But Numbers 13, I want us all to bear witness right now. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, 
which I am giving to the children of Israel. It doesn't say which I might give, which I'm thinking about giving, which I'm probably going to if I feel like I'm in a good mood. He said, which I am giving to the children of Israel. This is a guaranteed deal. He says, get the 12 guys, have them spy out the promised land, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. Do we all see this? Okay. So they go for 40 days, 40 nights. These are the 12 guys. These are the 12 guys right here, okay? They go over, the best 12 of the million, they go over, they spy it out, and they come back. They came back to Moses, this is verse 26, and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation, a million people. They come back and they're like, we have a report for you, okay? And showed them the fruit of the land. Okay, they have been eating manna for 40 years. This is like Ezekiel bread. That's all you've had for 40 years. And they're bringing back something that people haven't even, the children haven't seen this. The 20-year-olds, they haven't seen anything but manna. And they come back with proof of the fruit of the promise. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Proof. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Caleb is one of the 12 and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him saw the very same thing. We are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. Everybody say boo. Boo. Of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. How do they know that? None of them got devoured. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature, meaning they're physically large, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. So these men are huge. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. This is my prophetic word for all of us. As you decide to cross the threshold, I want you to watch out because the 10 spies are on the loose with a bad report. I am telling you, they are on the loose with a bad report. We can't do it. We can't do it. We can't be do it. It can't be done. It's too expensive. It's too hard. You're too old. We'll never make it. They're bigger than us. Don't plan on it. We can do it. We can do it. This is Joshua and this is Caleb. Caleb was 85 years old. And God says in the next chapter, that Caleb had a different spirit. 
If you and I are going to see the greatest days that God has promised, Numbers 13 verse 1, God has promised the United States of America, your children, your family, your legacy, the very best of the best, the best of the best. He has promised it. Do not settle for a bad report and don't give one yourself. I know that things are coming because it's an election year. Collective church, we will not be a church of a bad report. We will not be in denial either. We're not going to say, nope, no giants. Nope, no pandemic here. Nope, nothing going on here. It doesn't mean denial. Joshua and Caleb saw the giants too. But you know what they didn't do? Self-preserve. It is going to be very tempting. I'm telling you, in the days to come, there is something coming down the pipe because it's an election year and you are going to be told, it's too bad, you'll die, don't go out there. I'm telling you, and we're going to say, you know what? I'm not comparing my immune system with a virus. I'm comparing my God to the spirit that's been already defeated. It's going to be challenging but you have to have a different spirit. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I'm gonna pray for you for a different spirit. Father God, we just thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father. And we repent right now for being people who believed a bad report and we've all given a bad report. All of us have given a bad report. Father God, we come before you humbly and we say we're going into 2024 with eyes wide open. And when the bad report comes that we are doomed, that the church is doomed, that the, that Portland is doomed, that the Christians are doomed, God, we do not believe a bad report. Father, we believe that you are the king and you are the victor. And God, we will come to you. And in our prayers, we will come and we will say, turn it around. We will say dispatch angels. We will say that you have enough money to turn everything around. We will say that there's enough time to turn things around. Father God, lead us in the way that we can get involved. Lead us in the way. Some of you, I just felt this morning, have even given up that your own children will follow the Lord because you're looking with your eyes at a bad report. You're looking at them smoking weed. You're looking at them having worship towards things that are dark. And God says, so? So am I not able? Am I not able to turn it around? Take your position as a mother, as a grandmother, as a father, as a grandfather, and go do war in the heavenlies and say, I take that bad report and I call it hogwash and I flush it down the, down the hell toilet. And I say, Lord, you are able. You are able. We can do it. We can take it now. Do not accept the negative report that you see with your eyes. So what if you see a giant? God is bigger than that. So Lord, we just thank you, God, that you are giving us the ability, the ability right now and the courage to say that we're not going to self-preserve, but we're going to suit up like David did. David was in position. He was bringing some sandwiches and he looks around. He's like, is this the guy that you guys are really scared of? My goodness, give me my slingshot and five stones. I'll take this guy out. You know what they said? You can't do it, David. You're too small. They laughed at him, but you know what? He didn't see himself as a grasshopper. He didn't see himself as small and tiny. He saw how big God was. See, we've got to take ourselves out of the equation. We've got to take our size and our ability and our money and our lack and our mistakes. Just like Pastor Ben said this morning, we get hyper-focused on that stuff. It's not about us anyway. 
But God, you always have worked with faith. You've worked with people who have a different spirit. And here's the crazy thing. The whole assembly of people, including the 10 spies, wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb. They were actually mad at them that they believed what God said. See, you will actually be persecuted for believing the word of God. Are you willing to be persecuted? Who cares? Who cares that people persecute you for belief? I'd I'd love to be persecuted for believing God. Let that go on my tombstone. Let it be something inside of you right now that says, I will not be a weenie. I will not be a weenie Christian. I will believe what God says. I will not take a negative report. I will not give a negative report. And for every negative report that we've given and we've believed in this place, God, we are sorry. We are sorry for our unbelief. And we just say, God, thank you, Lord, for working with us in this hour. And we call Portland to be victorious. We call Portland to be full of revival. We call Portland full of reformation. We call people into office that have God on their mind. They have God before them. Father, we thank you for 2024. We thank you that we're on the battlefield. We're not sitting back like a peanut gallery with a whole bunch of bad reports, but God, we're on the battlefield and we're on our knees and we're doing what you've asked us to do, God, because we know that you are a God of promise every single time. So we apprehend the promise. Father God, right now, Right now, God, you said, with Moses, you said that you gave a part of his spirit and you gave it to the 70. So Father, right now, could you give part of that courage, part of that resolve that you gave Moses, God, would you give it to us right now, Father? We receive a resolve in our spirit. We receive what you gave Caleb and Joshua. We receive a spirit that says victory is ours. Victory is ours. Can we just give the Lord a clap right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.